I don't know, it might be a little different than normal. You know, and usually I kind of have a topic and you have points and all these things, but really tonight what I'm main, what I mainly want to do, I'm going to I want to read a lot of different scriptures to you. I want us I want us to look at a lot of scriptures in the Bible that are things that really we're supposed to be warning the world about. These are some of the more unpleasant scriptures. I guess you could say um, this is not a lot of you know, this is not exciting stuff that we're looking at. But there is a message, there is something I want to try to teach you through all of this. But you know, right now, you know, we've been talking about it, but we, we're in very wicked times right now, and we're seeing a lot of scary things in our country and in, in the world. I mean, the world's just a scary place right now. When you look at all the evil that goes on in this world, and sometimes it's easy to look at all the evil that's going on, and you see the prosperity of the wicked, and you think, Lord, what is going on? And the truth is, God knows exactly what's going on. He's keeping track of everything, and He's going to deal with it, and He tells us how He's going to deal with it in His Word. And I want us to look at several Scriptures tonight just showing what God has promised to do. And it ought to be kind of a sobering thing for us and it ought to uh, one well what I'm hoping that this is going to do is motivate you to warn other people about what's coming so they will give their heart to Christ because let me tell you what, what we're supposed to be all about is winning people to Christ and giving glory to God and I'm telling you not a lot of that goes on these days it's not something people want to do but let's read Psalms chapter 73 to kick this off but verse 1 says truly God is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore His people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches." Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places." Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Right here in this passage, if you caught everything in there, you see it's a psalm of Asaph. And what he was feeling is probably something every one of us have felt before, where you've looked at what goes on in the world, and it's like, you know what? They are so wicked and everything seems to be fine for them. You see the, you know, you see the evil that goes on out there and 
you know, it seems like some of these people should just get hit with a lightning bolt. They should get run over by a truck. It seems like something bad should happen, but it doesn't seem to be happening. It just seems like they keep on succeeding. They keep on having success. I mean, just even today, some of the biggest heroes, some of the biggest celebrities in America today are some of the most wicked people that you can imagine that do some of the most crazy, messed up things. And you see just the riches, the fame, the glory, the honor these people are getting. And when you look at it, you're you're thinking, what's going on? You know, it's hard. For me, I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. And it seems like it's just an uphill battle all the time and I can't succeed. And Asaph, he was feeling that way. He's like, I almost slipped. I almost messed up. But then finally, he went into the sanctuary of the Lord. And I don't know exactly what happened when he went into the sanctuary of the Lord, but I'm wondering if maybe, he says, I went into the sanctuary, then understood I their end. I'm wondering if maybe... He opened up some of the Scriptures. Because something that has been taught in the Bible from the very beginning, something that was revealed very early on to man was God's judgment that was coming on this world. It's something that it's all over the Bible. It's all over the Old Testament. It's all over the New Testament that judgment is coming. And we need to remember that because we are right now we are in a time when it looks like the wicked are winning the battle. It looks like they're succeeding. It looks like everything is going for them. And as Christians, we ought to have enough faith to go to what the Word of God says and realize that things are not as they appear right now. While things look good for them, while they look bad for us, the truth is they should be scared to death at what's coming down the road for them. They should be scared to death. And for us, we should be really excited about what's in store for us. And so I want us to look at some of these several Scriptures tonight to just remind ourselves of what's coming for them. Because you know, I think we'd all be lying if we said that we haven't been tempted at some time to just you know, go that direction. To just go ahead and join in with them. Everything seems to be working, but when you look at what the Scriptures say, if you believe the Bible, there's absolutely no way. That is not an option. I don't care what the rest of the world does. I don't care what most quote-unquote Christians do. I'm going to stay true to God because I understand their end. And I want us to look at some of these passages that I think we forget about. And I'm going to be jumping around. You can try to follow along, but I'm going to hit a lot of Scriptures tonight. But first, Joel chapter 1. Verse 15 says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty, it shall, or shall it come. As destruction from the Almighty shall it come. The day of the Lord is what that judgment day is referred to as. The day of the Lord. You see the day of the Lord mentioned all over in the Old Testament. You see it mentioned in the New Testament. We're not going to read all the Scriptures about the day of the Lord, but it's when you do read all the Scriptures, and just when you look at the ones that we're going to be talking about, or that I'm going to read to you real quick, it's very clear that the day of the Lord is a time when God comes to judge the world for their wickedness. And it says in Joel chapter 2, verse 31, "...the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come." That's a key verse there. I'd mark that one in your Bible. Joel 2.31 The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. 
And that's an interesting verse because we see in the book of Revelation exactly when that happens, I guess, in the, in the scheme of things. You see it, it, it's the sixth seal in Revelation. You see the five seals and you see that sixth seal. We'll probably look at those. And the sun was darkened and the moon was turned to blood. And they said, it says, for the great day of His wrath has come. And who should be able to stand? When that happens, when you see the sun darken and moon turn to blood, mark it down. The Lord is about to come and execute vengeance and He's about to pour out His wrath on this world in the form of the seven trumpets and the seven vials that we read about in Revelation. But it's not pretty. In Joel 3.14, I believe this is talking about Armageddon. Armageddon is a part of the day of the Lord. It's more than one 24-hour day period. But it says, "...multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near." In the valley of decision. We see one of these days, Jesus Christ, He is going to return to this earth on a white horse with His saints at the battle of Armageddon. And it is going to be a bloodbath like the world has never seen. It is in Amos 5.20, Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? When we see with the day of the Lord, you'll see darkness always associated with it. Okay, The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Obadiah 1.15 For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Thank God that the day of the Lord, it's not about us as believers. The day of the Lord is about the heathen. It is about the lost. As Christians, the Bible says we have not been appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. Thank God we're out of here before He pours His wrath out on this earth. Thank God we are not under the wrath of God. Now we're going to have to, you know, we have to deal with some stuff from man that's no fun. But let me tell you, it's nothing compared to what they're going to have to deal with. Absolutely nothing in comparison. Zephaniah 1 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, He hath bid His guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Notice the punishment. And you know, I tell you, all these verses, and we're, we're only reading some of them, these are all talking about God judging, God punishing the world. I saw a thing one time where somebody had... Uh, a, lot, a lot of people, they like their way of getting the Gospel out. They'll go on different websites and they'll go on like some of the uh, trending YouTube videos and stuff and they'll leave a plan of salvation in the comments there. And, you know, it's, I guess, kind of a goofy way to try to get the Gospel out. But I was reading one of those one time. It was, it was a video. It was one of these popular ones. Some funny video. And somebody put a plan of salvation in there. And he was saying all these wonderful things about Christ. And it was all good. But then he got to this one spot. And it says, and the best thing of all, he doesn't judge. And I thought, huh? Well, where do you get that? I seem to remember a verse in the Bible where it refers to him as the righteous judge. And, and there's all kinds of verses that talk about one day he's going to come and he is going to judge the world. We are going to stand before him at the great white throne of judgment. Or not we are, the lost are, the great white throne of judgment. We will stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, Jesus does quite a bit of judging, doesn't he, folks? And rightfully so, he has every right to do that. But people, they think, no, God would never punish anybody. 
And you know, it's, it's not a surprise that our world, we, they twist everything. And one thing that our world teaches is that, you know, as parents, we should never punish your children in any way that afflicts any type of, you know, physical pain or even emotional pain. And let me tell you, kids need punishment. I'm thankful my dad punished me growing up. Otherwise, I'd have turned out like some of these kids whose parents never punished them. And you kids need punished. Good parents punish their kids. And our God is a good Father. And you know what? He punishes. Okay? He chastens His children. And one of these days, He's even going to judge those that aren't His children. He's going to judge the whole world. Why? Because He's God. And he, He's going to do that. And uh, Zephaniah 1.14, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. Okay? The mighty man will cry. It's not going to be a pleasant time. Mighty men, strong men are going to cry on that day. Verse 18, "...neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of His jealousy, for He shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land." I like that verse too. "...neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath." Did you know there are places out west where they have built these massive bunkers and tunnels and things with all these like luxury condos in there that billionaires have purchased these places in case everything ever does go bad. I mean, this place is supposed to be able to protect you from an earthquake, tsunamis, I mean, a nuclear bomb, anything you can imagine. They have these places out west where billionaires have purchased these locations in case they ever need to go there, in case... Uh, the big disaster ever comes. Well, let me tell you, when the day of the Lord comes, if He wants to get to them, the Lord's going to be like, oh man, they're in a bunker. <laughs> He's going to get them. And their silver and gold's not going to be able to deliver them. You know, we look, oh man, how come we can't do that? You know, I, I, we can't afford those. Well, thankfully for us, we don't need them. Okay? And you know what? They can go ahead and spend their millions and billions on those things. It's not going to do them any good. When the Lord sets the sights on them, they're in big trouble. No bunker is going to protect them from Christ. But Zephaniah 2.2, 2, before the decree bring forth, before the day passes the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought His judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Do you see that? I mean, we, we need to be warning people about this. The Bible is warning people about this. Hey, there is a way out. There is a way to be hid, but you're going to have to seek righteousness. And where is the only place that we can find righteousness, folks? In Jesus Christ. Our righteousness is a filthy rag, but in Jesus Christ, we can be righteous. And we've got, that's why we've got to be pointing people to Jesus Christ. We've got, you know, we, we talk about the gospel, and the gospel's good news. And everybody's fine with talking about the good news about Jesus Christ, but to understand good news, you have to know the bad news, too. And the bad news is, there is a hell. The bad news is that judgment is coming on this earth because of sin, but the good news is there's a way out. But you're going to have to seek righteousness. That righteousness can only be found in Jesus Christ. And boy, we've got to be warning people about this because it's coming. 
You know, it's it's hasting. It's it's near. Zechariah fourteen one. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. Malachi four five. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And we know that that was fulfilled with John the Baptist. John the Baptist came before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. But you know what? Even though that was a long time ago, it's still, you know, we're still waiting for it. And it's still coming. It's still coming. Acts 2.20, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. That was quoting um, Joel chapter 2, verse 31 there in Acts. And then go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So there's definitely a theme in the day of the Lord. And that theme is that God is coming to judge this world. That God is coming and he, when He comes, He's angry. He's upset. Why? Because man is wicked. You see, one of the reasons people have this idea that, you know, God doesn't judge and that, you know, all these sins and things are okay is because nothing has happened. Okay? And listen, God's looking for people with faith. And now, and, and imagine, you know, it seems what, you know, to me, what seems like should have happened is, a couple of weeks ago, whenever they made that ruling about gay marriage, Washington, D.C. should have had an earthquake that swallowed up the Supreme Court building. That's what should have happened, right? But here's the thing. If that would have happened, I mean, if everybody would have known that it was wrong, right? Everyone would have known that God was angry with that and people would have changed their minds. But listen, God has already given us His Word that's told us that it's wrong, that it's evil. God has already given us that, and if we're not going to just believe this, God is not going to do those signs. Because the truth is, if He would have done that, well, then where's where's faith? We don't need faith, do we? And while we all would have liked to have seen it done that way, you know, it wouldn't have worked. Whenever I, I guess the way a lot of that works, whenever they make their rulings, there's always somebody he kind of comes outside and announces to everybody what it was. I mean, what should have happened when that guy came out all excited to announce the ruling? He should have got hit with a lightning bolt. But <laughs> you know that—that's not the way God wants to do it. He wants us to have faith. He wants us to believe Him. And just—but and, here's the thing, though: nothing did happen. There were no earthquakes. There were no natural disasters that took place. So now everyone's thinking, we're fine. We're okay. There was no revolution amongst the people. So you know what? They're going to continue pushing. They're going to continue pushing and pushing. And finally, one of these days, it's going to be too late and Jesus Christ is going to come and He's not going to be happy. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 says, this is right after one of the most famous rapture passages in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians 4. But in chapter 5, it says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. 
Let us therefore, or therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Thank God we're not sitting around worrying about the day of the Lord coming and just destroying us and killing us. We're, we're not in darkness. That day is not going to overtake us as a thief. We're going to see it coming when it happens. And when He does come, thankfully, in chapter 4, we just read about the rapture that happens, doesn't it? The rapture happens before God pours His judgment out on this world. We're taken out of here because we have not been appointed unto wrath. We have been saved from our sins. Our sins were taken care of on the cross. And those of us who have accepted that gift of salvation, we will get snatched out of here before Christ pours His judgment on the world. Before He, I mean, the horrible things we read about in Revelation, those seven trumpets, those seven vials, they, those are horrible things that happen. Supernatural things that happen. And they, they clearly are all of God. We're going to look at some of those in a little bit. But thank God we have not been appointed to wrath. That is not something that we're looking for. We we don't have we're not you know we don't have to dread the judgment. We are looking forward to the coming of Christ. Many times in the Bible, we're not going to go back and look at all those scriptures. We're kind of focusing on the judgment part. But the day of the Lord is what it's always referred to. And whenever you see the day of the Lord, you always see judgment, judgment, judgment. You know, scary, scary, scary. But then there's another another passage that talks about the day of Christ. And whenever it talks about the day of Christ, it's clearly talking to the believers. And the day of Christ is something that we look forward to. It's something that we're excited about. Because when Christ, when the day of the Lord comes, while it's judgment for the world, it's salvation for us. When it says in Revelation, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. Well, for us... We're doing good. We're going to look at that verse in just a second. You're going to see the response that the world gives. But for us, we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we, that you see that in 1 Thessalonians 4, right before chapter 5. But let's take a look at the world's reaction because here's, here's what, this is an important thing to understand because we've read all these things kind of showing what's coming for the world. It's not pretty. It's not good. I mean, it's something right now that, you I mean, just reading these verses for us, this that ought to just motivate you right there. That man, thank God I'm saved, and you know what? I'm going to keep living like I'm saved. I'm going to keep on doing right. I'm, I, I thank God I'm on His side. Thank God that that's not coming for me. And you know, I always wonder about Christians that seem so anxious to get involved with the world and do what the world's doing. Do you not realize what is coming for them? Why would we want any part of that? You know, and, I'm, and even if, if you're saved, I know you're not appointed to wrath. But why would we want to help them along? Why would we want to put a stamp of approval on the things they're doing? That wickedness is going to get them in trouble. We're supposed to be warning them. Say, hey, you need to repent. You know, you know, you need to stop doing that. The Lord's coming. He's going to execute judgment. But let's look at the way the world reacts because we can see in the Bible what it's going to be like right now. Okay, the wicked seem to be in control. They seem to be victorious. They seem to be happy. 
But look at what the Bible says how they are going to react when these things start to come. In Revelation 1.7, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. They wail. It's going to scare them. But notice what He says after that. Even so, Amen. John said, hey, yeah, it's going to scare the world to death, but hey, I'm ready for the Lord to come back because He knew He was okay. He knew He was in trouble. He knew that when the Lord returns in the clouds, He's coming to take us, not to punish us. And you know what? I say the same thing. While it's going to be bad for the world when Jesus Christ returns, hey, even so, come Lord. I'm ready for Him to come. I'm taken care of. I'm good. I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. And so, yeah, it's not going to be a pretty thing for the world, but even so, amen. So be it. Let it happen. Let it happen today. I mean, I want it to happen. Revelation 6.15 And the kings of the earth... This is right after the sun is dark and the moon turned to blood. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That was the sixth seal right there. And that was their response. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. They know who it is. When Jesus Christ returns and He starts pouring His judgment out on this world, they're going to know who's doing it. I, and, you know, people always talk about, oh, they're going to blame all these things on, they're going to blame it on aliens, they're going to blame it on global warming. No, right here in the Bible, it says, hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. And they know who's doing it. Revelation 9.20, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries nor of their fornication nor of their thefts. Now you, now we're here in Revelation 9. Okay, We have gotten through several trumpets. We are past the demonic locust that you would think would straighten anybody out. But it, it, it doesn't straighten them out. They still won't repent. Why won't they repent? There's a reason for it. We're going to look at that in a little bit. There's a reason they're not repenting. There's a re- there is a reason they're still... We see even blaspheming God in Revelation 16, verse 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give Him glory. Now you would think, they know that this is of God. They know He's the one that has power, but they blaspheme Him. They will not repent. Verse 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Verse 21, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now you know, unfortunately, many 
so-called believers today, they look at Revelation like a science fiction book. They look at Revelation like, you know, they don't take it literal, but folks, we need to take it literal. These things are going to happen. This is God pouring out His judgment. This is the day of the Lord that we that was mentioned all throughout the Old Testament. Listen, when God comes back to this earth and pours out His judgment, it was not without plenty of warning. I mean, He has given plenty of warning. He told many of the prophets throughout history. He, Jesus Himself came to earth and He talked about it. In Matthew 24, Jesus Himself talked about many of these things. He's sent His disciples out in the world. There's Christians all over this world that are telling people about the Gospel of Christ. But unfortunately, many Christians anymore, they don't want to talk about the judgment of God. They don't want to talk about these terrible things that are coming. And let me tell you, that's a shame for Christians that won't talk about these things. We're supposed to be warning people about what's coming. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Okay? How, you know, some, you know, I understand the, talking about Christ's love and all those things. But to understand Christ's love, people need to understand just how unlovable we are. So you have to talk about sin. For people, you know, uh, we, it's like we want to leave these things out. You know, how is it scary? The way most people portray Christ today is not scary at all. There's no terror. It's not, it's not scary one bit. But boy, look, some of these things you read about. I mean, they're making movies about a lot of this stuff. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not real biblical, but they're making a lot of movies. Why? Because this is scary stuff. And I know our world's desensitized to a lot of these things, but it's very clear when these things happen, people still aren't repenting. Why is that? Well, there's a reason that they're not repenting. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because it says, you know, in Revelation, they're saying, hide us from the face of of the Lamb, they know who it is. They know it's Jesus Christ. They know that it's God that's doing these things, but yet they won't repent. And I said that you know many people today are saying you know they're going to say people are going to they're going to say it's UFOs. They're going to say it's global warming, whatever. And while I don't believe it's that, there obviously is going to be something that deceives them. But I don't see it coming from the Antichrist. I don't see it coming from you know the world. I see it coming from God Himself. And look at what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. Alright, what would we call our gathering together? Alright, to Christ. The rapture, right? That sounds a lot like the rapture. That you be not so soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, is that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We know that is the abomination of desolation. You might remember, in Matthew 24, Jesus talked about this very event and right after that, he says, and after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon turned to blood. Right after that abomination of desolation, you have the sun, dark, and moon turned to blood, the sixth seal. It's crystal clear all over there in the Scriptures. And he's saying, you know, it, it hasn't happened yet. Okay, Christ has not come yet. The abomination of desolation hasn't even happened yet. 
And there was another, and one of the other epistles, it mentioned two guys that they had weird names, I can't remember, that had meant, said, was teaching everybody that the resurrection had already passed, or the rapture. I think a better term for it's the resurrection. They were saying that it had already passed and they had overthrown the faith of some. And I think a lot of people were trying to teach that it had already happened or it was about to happen. And Paul's like, no, it's not time yet. There's some things that have to happen first. And then verse 5. He said, I remember not, I told, when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and of and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, and them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you know why these people aren't repenting? Because God won't let them. Even though they know who's doing it, even though they know it's Christ, God's not letting them repent because He's there to judge. He is there to punish. Once Throughout the Bible, whenever you would see God start pouring His wrath out, one thing you'd always see that was very common is He would protect the believers first. And then, once He started pouring judgment out, nobody escaped. For example, the great flood. He took care of Noah and his family, got him in the ark, and then he poured judgment on the earth. Then the rains came. In Sodom and Gomorrah, they physically pulled Lot, his wife, and his two daughters out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and then rained fire and brimstone. Now, how many people survived the flood besides Noah and his family? Zero. How many people survived Sodom and Gomorrah besides Lot and his wife and two daughters? Zero. And when God comes to pour out His wrath on the earth, He's not coming. He's not doing this to save them. He's doing this to punish them and to judge them. And they are not repenting. And it's because God won't let them. So, the question is, when you look at all these passages, you know, and if I was lost, I'd be scared to death. But you see, but then you're like, why won't they repent now? Okay, because now they can repent. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why don't they repent now? Look at Second Peter chapter three, verse one, because we're going to see the day of the Lord again. Second Peter three, verse one. Uh, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Okay, notice that their own lust. Okay, remember that part. And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was being overflowed with water perished. 
But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens, and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And right there we see the day of the Lord mentioned again. It's going to be bad for the world, but here it shows us looking forward to it, being excited about it. And the question is, why don't people repent now? And it's because they are walking after their own lust. People don't want to. They willingly are ignorant of the flood, it mentions. They're willingly ignorant that God did judge this world before by water. Just like he said. And because of that, they are willingly ignorant that God's going to do it again. If we, if we can deny the flood, if we can somehow prove to the world that the flood never happened, well then, it's going to make it hard for those Christians to convince people that God's going to destroy the world again one of these days. And people are... But you know what? The evidence is overwhelming that there was a great flood. The evidence is overwhelming that the Bible is true and that God always does what He says that He will do. But they don't want to think about that. Why? Because they want to pursue their own lust. People want to do their own thing. They want to do what they want to do. Man loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They want to continue sinning. They want to do what they want to do. And therefore, they're not going to repent even though they can't now. And then, once it becomes clear, you know, once, well, if I could see Christ for myself, then I would repent. Well, not according to Revelation. When you see Him in the clouds, you're going to wail. When He starts pouring out His judgment on you, you're going to blaspheme His name. Why? Because He's going to send you a strong delusion. What's that strong delusion? I don't know. But He's going to send it to you. Why? So they won't repent. Because it, He has come to pour judgment on them. So here's my question. This is, and I guess this here is kind of the message. Should we be excited about God judging the world? Because I want to show you a few passages. Psalm 96.12 says, Let the field be joyful, and all that is therein, then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. For He cometh, for He cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with His truth. Notice how it's saying, you know, let the trees rejoice. This is exciting that God's coming to judge the world in righteousness. But listen, for lost people, that's not exciting, God judging the world in righteousness. That's scary. Psalm 98, 8. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For He cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall He judge the world and the people with equity. So right here we see God talking about God's judgment coming. And it's an exciting passage. 
It's a happy Scripture. But then in Revelation 6-9, look what it says there. It says, And when He had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost Thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as a sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Is that not a familiar event there that we've read about several times? And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountain, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of His wrath is come." And who shall be able to stand? Notice in that passage, right before we get to the day of the Lord, you see the martyrs asking God, Lord, when are You going to avenge our blood? When are You going to judge us? And so we see in the Bible where wanting justice and wanting judgment is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting justice and, but, I believe there's a little difference in what we see with these folks who were martyred. One thing we see, they're in heaven, right? They're in a glorified state. So, But right now, I believe when we're in our glorified state, we will clearly be glad to see justice done. But right now we're on earth before the great day of the Lord comes. I think we ought to be a little compassionate about it. I think right now, what this ought to do we shouldn't be saying, yes, bring it on. You know, let these people fry. Let them, you know, we should be saying, okay, you know what? We're not that much different than them, okay? Except we're saved. We're sinners too. We've all contributed to sin. Right now, what we ought to do is be doing as much as we can to warn people. We ought to be compassionate. We ought to be scared for them. And it's our job to warn the world of what's coming. Warning the world about the just about the Antichrist won't work because the Antichrist is exactly what the world wants right now, isn't it? They they're looking for that type of leader. The, what we know about the Antichrist, the world is begging for him to come. The world is ready to receive him. What we need to be warning people is not about the Antichrist. Okay, if we think we figure out who the Antichrist is, is which I don't think we'll you know we will. I think you know. I don't think it's it's about warning them. Oh, folks, you know, it, it's it's this person and trying to scare people about them. The world is not going to be scared of the antichrist. The world is going to love the antichrist. They're going to accept him. We need to be warning about them about the coming of Christ. That's what we should be worrying about. He is the one they should be fearing. And Isaiah sixty six twenty two says, For as the new heavens and new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord, and they shall go forth 
and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring to all flesh. This is clearly something in the end. This is something that's yet to come. But we see that when we are in our glorified state, when we see people burning in hell, we're going to be disgusted by them. You know why? Because we will now see sinful man the way God sees sinful man. But folks, right now, we are not in that glorified state. Right now, the Lord needs us to be compassionate to this world. He needs us to feel sorry for this world. He needs us to love them enough to tell them the truth and to warn them. Don't let's not worry about the Antichrist. Okay, you know, there's all these guys always wanting to scare people about the Antichrist and stuff. We need to be scaring the world about Jesus Christ because He's coming. And in fact, Matthew ten twenty eight, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Okay, who cares what the Antichrist is able to do? We don't need to fear him. He can't touch our soul but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, who is the only one that can do that? God is the only one that can do that. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men we need to speak the truth on this because it's coming. It's, it's near. It's close. And I'm telling you right now, don't get discouraged by what you see going on in the world. Don't you know, don't get intimidated and thinking, man. Maybe we just ought to. You can't beat them. Join them. We're going to beat them. They're going to get. They're going to get beat bad. It's going to be horrible. I think the only reason we're going to be able to handle seeing it is because we'll be in the glorified state and we'll understand that it's justice and it's judgment being done. If right now we could see it, I think we'd be. You know, we'd be devastated. We'd be crying. It would tear us up because it'd be too much for us to handle. But. It's coming. Consider their end. Don't get discouraged. We have not been defeated. We know the outcome of this whole thing. The outcome of this whole thing is that Jesus Christ is going to win. And that right right now, the most important thing you can do is make sure you're on His side. Make sure you've been saved. Make sure your sins have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then after that, since we already know we're going to win, that our side's going to win, let's do whatever we can to get as many people on our side as possible. Get the gospel to as many people as possible. As this world gets more wicked, we need to work even harder because judgment is coming. Let's save whoever we can. Let's pull them out of the fire. So with that, let's all stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Consider their end.